Do you aspire to be a fire officer? Are you a veteran who wants to stay relevant? Or are you currently working in the emergency management industry? Join your host, John Alston, as he blazes through current industry trends, events, and tips for management and officer development. Learn from industry leaders and discover how to network with peers and emergency management leaders. Welcome to the Fire Officer Trust Podcast. just like he takes it that seriously. His resume is amazing. He's done work in Africa. He's trained Africans. He's trained folks around the country. He has degrees as long as this room. It is my honor, I ask you to stand and welcome Fire Chief John Austin. Uh, Leonard is right, I take it very seriously. 
I take it so seriously that sometimes I don't sleep at night. I get in the car and I ride through New Haven because it's my responsibility. I take that seriously. I also take the fact that you can't tell Leonard anything or do anything with him because he just told y'all where we hang out. <laughs> I want to thank my wife, Cheryl, who has maintained our family while she allowed me to live my dream of being a firefighter since I was four years old. I want to thank my sons, John and Malcolm, who remain in Jersey and Atlanta, who are standing post while Daddy runs point. Understanding that it's the time of night where we have already had probably one of the funkiest bands I've ever heard in a long Woo. time. Well, I'm going to just say it this way. If you let me here for a short amount of time, I will attempt to be purposeful, brief, and then be gone. In other words, like Liz Taylor said to her last husband, I don't plan to keep you long. <laughs> I want to thank and recognize my dad, 88 years old. Hey. Just in case I want to start something. <laughs> I had a photo that I sent later about uh, uh, my granddad. My granddad was a World War I vet. It's a picture of him with his seven brothers. They look prosperous, it's from 1924. If we don't know our history, if we don't know where we came from, we really don't know where we're going. If we don't learn from the lessons, the pain, the anguish, the sacrifice, if we don't learn from that, then we really cannot value what we have today. Uh, I want to honor my dad with a story. Uh, I was a young boy with him and my grandfather. We were down in North Carolina. They're from Littleton, North Carolina. And uh, we were walking in this mule named Katie. And uh, there was a chain on Katie, and it looked like the same chain I saw as a child watching Mighty Mouse. And I saw Mighty Mouse, if you're old enough, you know who Mighty Mouse is. I saw Mighty Mouse take a chain and wrap it around the moon and hold it. So when I looked at Katie and I saw the chain, I figured I could hold Katie. My grandfather said, boy, let, let that chain go. And as I looked at him, I wrapped the chain around my arm even tighter, figured he didn't know what he was talking about because I was bigger than Mighty Mouse. But that day, I don't know whether it was the sound of the chain or the fact that Katie was an old sawmule, something spooked Katie. And Katie took off down the hot highway, and I say highway, but y'all know in North Carolina, it was red clay, gravel rock, and it shredded my clothes. But as fast as that mule took off, so did my dad. He stopped the mule and caught me and brought me into the house, into the shrieks and cries of my grandmother and my mother, God rest her. My dad said, I got it. So that day I learned that my granddad was the wisest man I knew, but I also knew I never had to look past my front door for a superhero. He was right there. My dad taught me manhood, but my mother taught me humanity. She had four simple rules. Keep your hands to yourself. Share and share alike. If you don't have anything nice to say about anybody, don't say anything at all. But most importantly, if you had the ability to help someone, anyone, you help them and expect nothing in return. That's what we were here for. Our heritage is rich. Your theme of celebrating and embracing history is rich. 
But how many people really celebrate our history? How many of them, even us, how many of us embrace our history? We've heard things over the years that it takes a village to raise a child, yes. We've also heard that each one teach one and reach one. And we stand on the shoulders of giants and greatness. I would ask you currently, whose shoulders are you standing on? What have you done to honor them, those that paved the way for us? Who are you mentoring, coaching, and counseling, and looking out for the way that our parents, our ancestors, sacrificed and looked out for us? What I want to say basically to you is there is, is there a direct line of succession? Can you point to some young person, or even a cohort, or a colleague, that you are assisting now to move on to the next level, even if you might not make that level yourself? In other words, are you useful or useless? Woo. Ask yourself that. We live in a strange time where everyone is concerned about everyone's feelings. Everyone is self-absorbed and self-interested. But my question to you is, where was all of the interest when our women were being abused? When our men were treated like animals? What I ask you is that the millions who were terrorized, traumatized, segregated, no one was concerned about the impact of Jim Crow on us. No one was concerned about segregation and now what we face with the prison industrial complex or the vestiges of slavery that still creep. Because as my dad and I walked down that corner, I saw the pain in his eyes because he experienced that color water fountain. I saw him reliving this evening. No one is concerned about the impact that it has on us as a people. Everyone talks about they want their country back. And they also talk about how the good old days were the good old days. But the good old days were not good for women. The good old days were not good for people of color. They were only good for some folks when we were subjugated and subservient. It was good for them. We live in a time of great division on the surface. But we even have inside and outside influences that further divide us. Case in point, we're hearing all about the Russia involvement in our election. And yes, that is a fact and it's been proven. But they utilized the system that we were already being subjected to with Facebook and Twitter. It's called the end user experience. It uses metadata so that when you go on Facebook and you look to your right, all of those ads that come up are reading the cookies from the browser in your system. They are tailoring your information and they are selling your information and profile to advertisers. Nothing against you, buddy. They're selling your information to advertisers. They utilize that system to further divide us. We must teach our friends, our family, and our young folk to discern information for themselves. One of the other things that social media does is that once you post something, they will hold back your likes. Just like a slot machine will hold back your rewards <laughs> to keep you there pulling and checking. They do that on purpose so that they have time to line up more cookies and to change the advertising. Be careful of how we're being used and even being sold with our minds and advertising. Our own pundits and talking heads like to separate us into conservatives and liberals. But if you look across this grass, this great nation of ours, 
Many of us have the same values. Many of us want our children safe, educated, good homes, clean streets, and, and proper governance. But I digress. I'd like to talk about two of my uh, wonderful favorite inventors. Garrett Morgan invented the traffic light and he invented the gas mask. He invented the gas mask and no one wanted to use it. He would go to shows and exhibits, put up a tent, light a fire in a pot, put the smoke in, and walk around in the tent. And none of the firemen would use it. The only time they tried to use it and took him seriously was when miners got trapped. And they saw this black man hook up this apparatus and go in and rescue white miners. And then they thought that might be a good thing. He had several patents, and believe it or not, the air packs that we wear as a fire department right now are still based on that prototype. <laughs> I saw the Tuskegee Airmen's suit down in the hall. It's a John Robinson people don't talk about. John Robinson in 1929 was a young black man. I know that there are blacks and African Americans. Can I get my African American to raise hand? <laughs> I guess not, so I guess we're all black. So he's a black man. <laughs> Say it loud. <laughs> Say it loud. He was the first American, not black or white, he was the first American to fight fascism. He went to aviation school. They didn't allow him in because he was black. He became and applied for a janitor and became a janitor and sat in the night classes and learned to fly learned how to build his own plane. And while going to the movies, sitting in the balcony, saw the newsreels of Mussolini attacking Ethiopia. And it concerned him. He wanted to go and fight, Several did, so, so a lot of black men wanted to as well. They weren't allowed to by our government. He got there anyway. Holly Selassie made, put him in charge of the Ethiopian Air, uh, Air Force. But they lost 13 planes to 595. But that did not beat his spirit. It did not quench the thirst that he had to fly. He came back and was one of the principal component men to put together the Tuskegee Airmen. He was one of those who assisted in integrating the Air Force. As we think about our past and where we are right now, I think about some of the work that I've done in Africa. And I've also seen where they actually do missionary work, where we've done missionary work. And the Maasai men, their greeting is not hello. Their greeting is not what's up. Their greeting is how are the children. Their greeting is how are the children. And the reason why they say that is they know that any society that protects its children must be a good society. What are we doing to protect our children? This week we've heard about children being shot again. There were 48 school shootings last year. We're already up to eight, and February's not even over. We must do better. But all is not lost, as I wrap it up. We have a new generation that gets it. We must not be sidetracked and allow other people to determine what our protests are about. We have a young man that turned down millions of dollars, lost his job, because he was tired of unarmed black men being killed in the street. He knelt so others could stand up. He has been ostracized. His protest misinterpreted, misrepresented by some folks 
who can't even figure out the proper way to wear a tie. <laughs> we have some people in the same profession who have committed crimes against society and assaulted women. They've been forgiven, given new contracts, and given new teams. But if his silence for his protest is the cost of employment, then the price is too high. He wasn't protesting against the military or anti-American. He knelt because he knew he was on the world stage and he had a voice. Steve Covey says to use that voice. Use it whenever you can. He knelt because of conviction, integrity, and knowledge of self. Would that we all had that. So tonight I want you to enjoy yourselves. I'm not going to keep you from dancing anymore. I would just remind you that to whom much is given, much is required. My grandmother was a domestic. My grandfather was a sharecropper. My grandmother cooked other people's food, fed their children, washed their clothes, cleaned their houses. My grandmother was a domestic. Well, I say to you today, doctors, lawyers, business people, educators, police officers, firefighters, we're still working in other folks' kitchens. Don't fool yourself. The only difference between my grandmother then and us now is that she never thought she was a member of the family. I want to recognize before I sit down and before I lose it, Chief Ronnell Higgins. safety professionals I met other than Anthony Campbell. We are three the hard way. We call each other all the time. We know we have each other's backs. I just wanted to acknowledge him and his lovely wife, Robin, and remind us he's one of those people that gets it, to whom much is given, much is required, and they might live in it, not be in vain. Like what you heard today? Subscribe to the podcast and blog, hashtag Fire Officer Trust. For show notes, updates, tips, and more resources, visit www.fireofficertrust.org. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter so you never miss a show. The Fire Officer Trust, a place for fire officers and those who aspire to be.